second half of the show. Coming to you live from the Kintec studio. Uh, it's BFF Fridays. Brett Fesseling Fridays. Haven't heard from him in a while. What's going on, man? Oh, that that Christmas break with kids is exhausting. <laughs> I'm happy to be back to work. Holy. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while. I haven't, been. haven't even had a chance to say Happy New Year or anything like that to you. I know. Happy New Year. Happy road trip. Yeah. Oh, that, 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 that was incredible. Look, we got a lot to get into. Uh, Brett Fesseling joins us now, former NHL pro, Vancouver Giant. You hear him on Sportsnet 650. You'll hear him on the call tomorrow uh, for the Leafs game as well. Uh, so seven-gamer, man. Like that, 5-1-1, one, and one, that's, uh, that's an unbelievable turnaround. Because you know, it, it was the point of the season we all looked at and said, like, that's going to be the tough one. And they, and they come through it so well. Yeah, stay hot. Like, uh, the biggest thing for me – that time kind of last year is when I started doing this with mm-hmm. you guys. And to think that they just went 5-1-1 one, one, with you saying they should have won all seven is such a contrast from last year. It's incredible. So, um, yeah, it shows you how far they've come. And they've answered the critics, right? They've Like every kind of corner, somebody's doubted something, and they've, become, they've had an answer or exceeded expectations. So it's, it's been really fun to watch, and that was a hell of a trip. Uh, there's uh, stuff I want to get into from last night. Uh, they win against Arizona 2-1 to one, coming back home, which is always a challenging thing. Uh, you know, seven-gamer and, and the energy coming back. And it, it felt a little flat from some of the players in the top six, but the bottom six really brought it. Sam Lafferty was incredible in that first period, uh, you know, being the centerpiece of a, of a lot of uh, controversy. The, the, the play that kind of started it all, his hit on Kessel Ring, yeah. It, it, it's kind of an epidemic across the league of that hit going through the numbers. And, you know, I, I think when we say that traditionally, it's, you know, the, the guy's numbers are out and you're taking a big run at it and you go through the guy and it's like, yeah, that's an automatic penalty. But you see this play more and more of like the last second guys are kind of turning their back and exposing the numbers. And I, I always have a hard time with this type of play. And it wasn't a call last night. And I thought the officials kind of made the right call. Because like like Lafferty's so close before Kessel Ring kind of turns the back out, and look, there's there's contact through the numbers. We can't really deny that. But I've always just looked at it as it's, it's almost as if that play that we see so much, Demon are almost like forgetting that you, your safety on the ice is also your responsibility. And I understand you're making yeah. a play, maybe you're trying to draw a penalty, but it, it's a dangerous play that's being invited by the puck carrier. And I I, I have a hard time with that play. Yeah, it seems that, I mean, everybody debates whether the game's changed and it's more physical, less physical. But the the idea hasn't changed. There's three forwards coming to get the puck, and you have the puck. Like, that's, mm-hmm. you know, it, it comes down to that. You need to be ready for these guys to hit you. So, and he's on his backhand. He bobbles the puck. Lafferty comes from the top of the circle. It's not the initial four check. I think that's where you get really dangerous hits is, you have a guy that has 150 feet to wind up right. and target a bit and go through, right? But he's coming from the top of the circles. Um, the D-man's on his backhand, and then that forward's got to be talking to him. You know, like the, Lafferty's coming. You know Lafferty before the game, if you've watched any Vancouver game, Lafferty's coming to hit you. That's why he's so good at what he does. So I think that forward that's down low needs to talk to that D-man more, which is something you see on probably younger teams like Phoenix where there's less communication in those instances. So I thought it was a nothing call. He does turn around Lafferty and then rips across the ice and gets Kerfoot. So I think that's part of why O'Brien 
uh, I went after him a bit. And let's be honest, O'Brien wants to get in that. There's more value to sure. O'Brien's game if he can get into those. So I think it's more of a let him know that he's not going to be able to go scotch-free through the, through the, through the game hitting everybody. Uh, he, I thought it was a good call by the refs. He, he was fine today as well, Liam O'Brien, for coming off the bench and that whole circumstance there, going after Sam Lafferty. You know, you're saying there, like, all this debate of is the, the, the game more physical and everything like that. The thing that you can't deny is it's, it's faster, right? Like, oh, it, yeah. it's yeah. so fast compared to even, like, seven, eight years ago, let alone 20, 25. And I, I think more than anything, like, that's why we're seeing these plays crop up so much more. You know, j- just from the mindset of D-man, like, uh, how much has to change to prevent these from the puck carrier? Well, it's a lot of work with, like, for me and a partner, I'm trying to work with my partner to give him space. So I'm running more interference. That's something that we talked about. Scott Fasher, that's what the league's targeted is interference or hooks or holds, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. So that's allowed them to get it. But as a team partner, it's got to be a lot more communication. You can run those interference where you get the ice and, and run those kind of little picks, that kind of thing. Goalies, a lot of it's awareness by the puck carrier is exactly how you mentioned. And he gives a little shoulder check to check, but I think he gives himself a bad angle to really get a good look at what's coming at him. And then he bobbles it and he's looking down. So he puts himself in that area. There's going to be, the hitters are going to have to take a little more onus on it just because I think they're going to get fined or going to get suspended. Right. So, but that comes down to respect level in the game as well. There's certain times players have a guy in a very vulnerable spot Mm -hmm. And the old school way of thinking was usually you don't take advantage of that in a, in a Thursday night game versus Phoenix. You might in a playoff game or, or you know, right. different circumstances. But, yeah, there seems to be a little bit of that respect lost on both sides. So where it goes, I have no idea. Because it is an unintended consequence of making the game faster, a little less physical, a little more friendly to long-term health. But it has invited these certain... Um, you know, circumstances where there is some danger in in the speed and just the physics of the game now. There was almost a moment like that, too, later on with how Flip Pronick played that play as the puck's going into the corner and it's Kerfoot going to retrieve it. And, you know, he, he's not really tight to Kerfoot and he doesn't really stand up right at it, but it, it looks similar because Kerfoot's numbers are showing there. He's able to just spin out, get to the middle of the ice. Is, is this kind of what we're talking about at the same time of, like, how Pronick played that one? Is this the the goal? Yeah. Yeah, if you look at it, yes, one, he doesn't plow through his numbers. But also he tries to he tries to gain a bit. If you look at it, he he's tapping you know, to some of the teams. Do all the time. Hmm. They would they would apply this false press on you and they would just steal off to the other side and get your reverse and make you look ridiculous. But he, he's kind of trying to do that. And then I think Kerfa gets out of it and by – Heronic's reaction, it looks like Heronic expects the forward to shut that gap down, and he doesn't, and then he's behind. So, yeah, I, I think you can be more physical in there, probably controlled in terms of getting your stick up under guys and maybe actually getting holders and keeping them up so you can get them more into the wall. And that just allows you to play a bit more, get your stick between there where you know the puck's going to come in. But right, he, he has a little more respect going in, probably too much respect. And then Kerfoot makes a pretty good play out of it to gain some ice, and then it's a bad bounce back door. 
Dermott gets his first in the year kind of thing. So who who would he be expecting to help support there? Is that the the top side winger, or is that supposed to be Suter coming in? Because it, it's kind of a weird play because uh, the puck gets past Susie. That's why the puck's going to that corner. So I don't know if he's expecting yeah. Suter to be there. Yeah, I mean, he might be expecting Suter to be there. Susie's going back to the net. So he might, you know, for a split second, think that's the forward that's got the middle there. But Susie gets in that, and that opens that lane for him. So uh, it's just a miscommunication there. It's a bad luck bounce to Dermot and then you know as you mentioned too Kuzmenko that's Kuzmenko's guy he's got to know where he is mm-hmm. Peter point, pointing at the puck whereas if you talk to you know 95% of coaches they want wingers feet somewhat up ice kind of like a 11 o'clock kind of thing where your whole torso is opened either the D-man and the puck so you can kind of monitor things in front of you and you know where that that guy is because ultimately because Manko's responsible for that guy, and he's the dangerous one, obviously, when the puck gets there. Yeah, it, it's you know, it, it's so natural as someone cutting to the middle of the ice that like all the eyes go to that. Like Mikhailovich is there, Suter's kind of in that spot, and they're all looking right to the real estate Kerfoot's taking. And then because Manko's doing it too, it's just it's it's his guy that kind of creeps in behind it. But it, it's not so much that he's not in the right spot; it's that he's not framing himself correctly. Yeah, and that's the domino effect of of a breakdown is then somebody needs to cover it and that opens another one and that opens another one. So it, you know, it makes, I, I have that guy, but mm-hmm. you're right. It, it goes into an area where it's kind of in four different guys, half, half zone. So they just, you don't know, who to, you don't know who's going to take it. And that goes back to communication too. Hopefully somebody just calls off everybody early and takes it. But obviously they didn't there. And uh, they tie it up pretty quick after that. Uh, so it was one of uh, many, you know, plays we discussed throughout the course of the post game about Andre Kuzmenko, and you know he obviously doesn't play a lot in the, in, in the rest of the way, and you know the the, the power plays that they got in the third period, he's not featured there either, and it opens up the conversation of, hey, should someone else go there? And if it's not going to be Kuzmenko, who could it be? You know, I was just wondering, you know, obviously it's been so much movement on the power play. And so it'd be tough to fit someone in there. But I'm curious if someone like Dakota Joshua could be a candidate as, like, the net front. You staple this guy there, and the other four guys get to play around. But you got a big body in front of the net. And he's scoring, too. It's not as if he's just like, hey, let's just throw the, the lumbering big guy in there. Like, he's got 12 goals. He's shown some chops near the front of the net. And the goal yesterday, you know, good hands through yeah. contact. That was, that was quick. That was some skill that came out to find it, toe drag it, tuck it. Like, that's. That's not easy. I don't have that tool, for sure. So, I mean, I don't know. When you first mentioned it, I I was thinking, like, probably never. But, but yeah, it, if it's a big body and those guys don't want to shoot, it's not bad because you're taking Kuzmenko. Yeah, the other guys, the first-line PP is so elite on every, every team. Mm-hmm. So, it, it makes a hard argument for a permanent spot for him. Maybe a send a message spot or let's try something out to get things going. Um, but, yeah, he's definitely proven that he, he's playing above expectation or has that skill level that maybe people didn't first um, give him credit for. So I wouldn't mind seeing it. Now, call it second power play unit with Heronic just taking bombs from the point. I really like that. You know, I, I think he could do well. I just don't know how it would be long term. But. You're right. I wouldn't be surprised if they put him there and then he has success because he does battle in front and and he does make some good plays and he's shown some good chops in front with little skill plays and little uh, hockey IQ plays. So your first candidate would be uh, Hronik to be out there? Yeah. That would be my, my first, probably. Uh, you know, while, while we're talking about uh, you know, 
throwing bombs from the point. Uh, power play did score. Patterson gets that against the grain one-timer, 83 miles an hour, blocker side on the goalie. Uh, put yourself in the D-man's uh, spot there. It, it's like it, it's so far away. You're not going to get there. But the, the fact that you know Patterson goes against the grain, is that something now teams going to look at and say, hey, if, if you can take one side of the post, maybe the goalie doesn't have to come all the way across immediately? Um, I think they would just try to take the one-timer away. I don't think you're trying to pick one time. I don't think you just. I don't think you want to give him a one timer from there. Yeah, but can as you get out D-man, there that fast? A, no, as a D man, you're thinking the forward screwed up. <laughs> That's what you're thinking <laughs> as a defense. The forward, so it puts the forward in a, the way they line up, the way the Canucks line up with Besser, Low, and then Hughes, because Hughes is technically a one timer spot off the draw, mm-hmm. and then PD is kind of out wide, so it puts that winger that's in the center of the ice in a really bad spot because he's the one that's supposed to attack Hughes. But the D have shifted. So now it's the center to get to Hughes, which he isn't going to get through Miller there. That opens up PD. So if you fast forward now to the next power play, what that opens up is you take shots, which makes the guy go cut off the one-timer, and then it makes everybody else collapse to the net because they think a shot's coming there and they need to protect that. So if you fast forward to six minutes left in the second, the first thing that winger does is go to PD, so it's not open, but then PD goes back door around the net, and now that opens that whole side for Hughes. And then they can rotate up, and now Besser or Miller will come up and run that off that side. So it's kind of planned that way. Hey, if they'll give us this shot, let's just take this. But that will also force them to react to just that specific play, which should open up for Hughes to go over and then run it back through Miller, side, and then you have those pop plays up that side. So it's kind of a progression thing. But yeah, if you're gonna take it, if they're gonna give you a one timer there, I think PD would take that every day. Uh, actually, before I let you go, news today: Jim Rutherford, uh, who will join the station in about uh, 15 minutes with Sat and Dan, uh, gets his three-year extension. So you know you've been keeping an eye on this for the last uh, you know 14, 18 months. Uh, the, the the thoughts of uh, where we were to where we are today with Jim Rutherford. Yeah, I think it's great. You have uh, you know a seasoned veteran um, GM or president that's really. I think he's adapted well. The game's changed so much in 20 years, and he's been on top of it throughout the whole thing, and he's really had a game plan of of how he wants teams to play, and he's done well managing for the most part from what I can see, you know, the salary cap era and, and those long-term contracts and had a lot of success there. So I think everybody's seeing how nice it is to have a long-term goal and a commitment to that, and they've been pretty transparent with how they want to build that team and what it looks like and I think they've done a really good job. Obviously, their ability to to bring in players that have come together and are worth or more valuable together than they are as individuals has been pretty special. So I think that's a good, really good move for Vancouver. Uh, Brett, we always appreciate it. Man. We'll chat tomorrow at the rink. Uh, get ready for the game. Awesome. See you there. That's Brett Festling, former uh, NHL pro, Vancouver Giant. Uh, you hear him on Sportsnet 650. I'll uh, be on the game call tomorrow with Brendan Batchelor. Four o'clock. Against the Toronto Maple Leafs. All right, Fridays, it's chill. We go into the weekends with some good vibes. Uh, we haven't done this in a while, but it's guys naming dudes. <laughs> Music always cracks me up. Uh, so there's a, a tweet going around. And, and it's tweets like this is why this segment was born. But it's from Steady E 69 Sorry, babe, can't come over tonight. Me and the boys are naming obscure wide receivers in the group chat again which who amongst us haven't, hasn't done that. Uh, so we wanted to just steal that and say, all right, let's do that on air. Obscure wide receivers. 
no team in particular, just just start shouting them out. 650, 650 into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. I'll go first. Remember Freddie Mitchell? Philadelphia Eagles? Championship belt, Freddie Mitchell? That's what we're going with. Freddie Mitchell. Number 11 on the Bills, Roscoe Parrish. Oh, man. What was he, like 5'7"? Just a fast He was speedy. He was always on the team. Uh, See that video today? Tavon Austin put out a video, or his wife did. Uh, His daughter's watching Tavon Austin highlights. I was like, so nice. Guy was a dog, West Virginia. Oh, yeah. With Geno? That dude. Caught the game-winning touchdown to to beat the 2007 New England Patriots, Plaxico Burris. All right. He's remembered for something else nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe not as well. (laughs) Uh, Keep them coming. 650-650 into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. What else we got? Uh... What about like a Robert Meacham? That's a good pull. That is good. <laughs> Who is the the Saints player in the Seahawks playoff game that that tried doing the last minute, the last second lateral? I think it was Colston, and it was like the worst lateral you ever see. But Robert Meacham, I was, yeah, he, he was part of that crew there. Always underrated for me, Lance Moore. Yeah, local product. Uh, Dexter McCluster. Kind of another small fastian. What a great name! Yeah, Dexter. You think uh, that could be a, like an all-time names McCluster? Not better than T.J. Hushmanzada. There you go. <laughs> uh, oh, actually, that one's coming in. T.J. Hushmanzada. David Boston yoked up. David Boston. Uh, G. Roy Simon. Look, we'll take CFL names as well. Anything, everything. Uh, text in six fifty. Six fifty. Jason Avant on the Eagles. Oh wow. Yeah, there's like those 2000s Eagles. Those yeah, there's a couple. Yeah, early 2000s. Jason Avant, Joe Juravicious, with a great catch. The the tip, run around to the other side, catch it. Unbelievable. Mike Wallace, best under. Mike Wallace was good. Yeah, it's and not he's that a good player. But like when we're talking about like prototypical uh, role player wide receivers, like that guy's like one of the best deep threats. It was like. I know a lot of people talk about like Deshaun Jackson, like that. Mike Wallace was a dude of like take the top off. I'll throw another underrated early 2010s guy, Dwayne Bow. Nice, yeah. Who was the guy? Um, the Dolphins signed some guy, hoping he was going to be like their version of Wes Welker after Wes Welker. I'm totally blanking on this name. Uh, it was like early Devon Bess. Is that who it was? Rings a bell. I think it was Devon Bess. I think went to the. Uh, Dolphins. Uh, this one. Wayne Krebet. Adam from Bowen Island. Nice. Still laughing about David Boston. I haven't thought about David Boston in forever. Brandon Lloyd. I mean, he might be too good, though. Yeah, like, he was solid. Highlight reel. Like, if very, you want, very good player. If you want a good YouTube player, Brandon Lloyd. Dante Hall, also another good one. Returning kicks. James Thrash. Robert Foster. I don't remember Robert Foster. Yeah, because he was bad. <laughs> was he? Oh, no, he was a Bills, right? He was Bills, played at Bama. Number 12? I don't know. It's fun. number 16. He was Josh Allen's number one receiver in his rookie year. That's, oh, this is like recent. A bad sign. Yeah. That's recent. I, I thought you were going to like uh, J.P. Lossman days, like Peerless Price. That's more like a Lee Evans. Oh, yeah, well, Lee Evans. There you go. There you go. Uh, Devin Hester, Weston Dressler, Andy Fantuz. Coming in. Let's go. Let's see you working, yeah. Rocket Ishmael. People putting in work here. Antoine Randall L. Yeah. 
I don't like that reference. Bobby Ingram. <laughs> Bobby Ingram? Yeah. Good seasons with the Bears. Yeah. And then came to Seattle. Yeah. That didn't go so well. No. <laughs> uh, I mean, Hoosh didn't even go so well. Dion Branch didn't go so well. Uh, all right. Joe Horn. Nice. Have you seen that clip? Uh, I think it was from this past year, maybe two years ago, where Arthur Blank going up to J.C. Horn, Joe Horn's son. He's like, are you uh, uh, Joe Horn's son? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was great clip. Great clip. Uh, all right. A lot of text coming in. Keep them coming for uh, Canuck Central. They got the mailbag later today. You can uh, text in your questions or go to uh, Sat's Twitter and uh, ask your question there. They got a busy show, though. Yannick Hansen's going to come up at some point. Jim Rutherford, like minutes away, uh, the, the, the extended president of hockey operations. He's going to be there for multiple years. He signed an extension today. He's going to be uh, chatting to Sat and Dan next here on the Home of Canucks Sportsnet 650.